We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode of Trouble with the Script is brought to you by WarbyParkerTrial.com. Get a free five-day home try-on at WarbyParkerTrial.com slash trouble. Five pairs, five days, 100% free. Welcome to Trouble with the Script, a sports movie podcast that appreciates a little authenticity. I'm your host, Kyle Banduho. Trouble with the Script is a sports movie podcast focusing almost exclusively on the sports-centric content of sports movies. What worked, what didn't work, and what could have been done to fix it. Today, I'm happy to welcome on the pod the co-founder and publisher of Bro Bible, Brandon Winter. Brandon, how are you doing tonight, and did I get that last name right? You you sure did. Thank you so much. Uh, I am I'm great. Beautiful day in Southern California. Uh, excited to start. Excited to talk about one of my most whimsically fun sports movies of all time. We're talking about an all timer today. I'm super excited too. Uh, it's an all timer. The 1999 film Varsity Blues. In America, we have laws. And it's just accepted that as a member of American society, you will live by these laws. In West Canaan, Texas, there is another society which has its own laws. We woke up in the twilight zone. West Canaan, sex and football. It's all there is. <laughs> hey, Ma, let's roll! <laughs> Varsity Blues follows the star players of a small-town Texas high school football team as they deal with the pressures of adolescence, their football-obsessed community, and an overbearing coach. In the fictional town of West Cannon, Texas, football is a way of life, and losing is not an option. Brandon, why did you want to pick this movie, and where does it kind of stand for you on uh, on your, your top sports movies? Um, I would put it... I would put it on i would put it in the top five i would definitely so it's not all the it, way up to your top five it's up to my top five um just because i think that you know children's sports movies are kind of i mean they're like they're kind of silly they're endearing i think that you know people in our age group have you know in adulthood really gravitated towards them as a, a type of like nostalgia for childhood, but like varsity blues is like teenage years. 
And it it's is. being played by like it's being played by um by actors that are, you know, well into their 20s at the time this is being like that is that it was being made. And you know, it's rowdy and kind of kind of very angsty. And um I think that's kind of why I gravitate towards uh towards feeling like it's a little bit more like authentic or bring something very different to the sports movie pantheon than um you know than another movie about like uh a, a kid having being able to throw a 105 mile an hour fastball or something like that yeah for me it, it might not be one of my like the best sports movies i think i mean it's one of my favorite i love it's very watchable i enjoy it but it might be like one of the best high school movies especially like for our age group like around that time like i think it's a really good high school movie too yeah, and it it also like you know, I th- and I think that's a really important point because it was definitely in the same cultural moment as American Pie, um, you know, the scary movies, um, all, all of those kind of very um, can't hardly wait, etc. Stuff like that. Like it gets all parodied those, and not another teen movie. Exactly, it gets parodied like crazy and not another teen movie, and like. And I think that that's like a really important like cultural reminder about about it, and and I, I I get where you're coming from with it as a high school movie. Yeah. So you mentioned a bunch of guys in their 20s playing high schoolers, which is like a staple of high school movies in the late 90s, early 2000s. I have their ages in front of me. Just real quick, which of the main characters do you think looked the oldest? Um. Oh my gosh, I would have to say I would have to say um let's just go to the main I, the guys, no, the football I, players. I, yeah, yeah. I I know a deep thought here on this. I would say Scott can actually tweeter. Um, so, yeah, that's that's what I think too. I think There's something about tweeter that just like really old. He looked like 25, 26. I think it's the hairline. I agree. I think it's the hairline. He doesn't look that much um, he doesn't look that much younger than he does in his like late season turn in Entourage. Exactly. And like, you know, and he's in whatever like cop stuff now. And he was when I didn't, I totally forgot that like Scott Cam was even in this. And uh, when, when I was rewatching it, when he's introduced into the movie, um, he actually has like, Probably one of the most grotesque, like mooning scenes I've like <laughs> I've he seen. Does. <laughs> that whole first scene, we'll we'll talk about that first. We'll scene talk about it, bit. yeah. But, but uh, like, yeah, as far as when so they show his face, I was like, oh my god, he's old. <laughs> yeah, so he was he was twenty three. Vanderbeek was Vanderbeek was twenty two. Uh, the guy who played Wendell, who this was one of, I think this was his only. Uh, his only acting job, it was, uh, I, I, I'm going to butcher this name, Elile Swinton. That's E-L-I-E-L, uh, Lyle Swinton. Uh, he played Wendell. He was 24. Uh, Paul Walker, R.I.P., was 26. And Ron Lester, who played Billy Bob, was 29. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. It is. It is. Because Billy Bob actually looks like a high schooler, like a massive dude, but a high schooler. Right. Right. So um, Billy Bob worked, and I think that's a good way to just kind of roll into what worked sports mo- sports wise, and just in general, what worked about this movie for you? Because it is a caricature 
of of high school football in high school, but what what was legitimate sports centric wise for you in this movie? So like I I I think like the thing that it absolutely nails is um the obsession with high school sports in small town life. Um I, Crushes you know it it, it Unlike any other, you know, maybe Friday Night Lights, obviously, which is like same era, but like um, it really nails that like that feel of um, kind of hopelessness of adults gravitating towards like the the success of high school sports in a small town, living vicariously through those high schoolers, right? Living vicariously through it through high schoolers. Um, you know, the, the pressure that like student athletes feel, um, when it's not just that, like, it's not pressure put on them by their peers or that they're putting on themselves, but these like bigger macro like issues of this is my world, you know, like this new Canaan, Texas is my world. And, you know, West if I, or sorry, West, West Canaan. Canaan, sorry, <laughs> West Canaan, Texas is my world. And if I don't, you know, if I don't succeed, uh, in this one phase, you know, the, there, the glory years will be forever behind me after this. And I think that's, you know, in that way, it's kind of a tragedy. Yeah. And they kind of paint, uh, Mox who's Vanderbeek's character. They kind of paint him as an oddball for not having that view of, Oh, this is this needs to be your life. Like a lot of people are, you know, kind of harping on, especially his dad. Like, why aren't you? Why aren't you more focused on this football game being your entire existence? Yeah, exactly. And there's and the other thing that's too interesting about it that I think was is really authentic. Um, I grew up in a pretty pretty small town in uh, in rural Pennsylvania, and. Um, it, it's interesting because like uh, when they talked about um, sort of the college recruitment process and everything like that um, for, uh, for um, you know, what's his face, uh, Lance, um, when they talked about like Florida State with Lance and everything like that, it kind of reminded me of how, you know, true that is in a lot of small communities where um, – you know, when somebody is given a look for a big like D one program, um, everybody in that community, in that in that uh, high school class, etc., kind of like knows. You know, yeah, it's a big. I grew up in a small town in Texas, and I could like tell you all the D one football players while from like when I was in elementary school to high school because you just you know who you know who goes where. Exactly. And like their careers might not amount to even much in college, but like in that, in that pressure cooker, that community, um, that feels like the biggest, most important thing in the world. Yeah. I mean, in this movie, this movie really crushes that, honestly, like it, it, it's, you know, like I said, it's a character and it's supposed to be excessive, but it, it really does a good job in driving that home on like a serious note. Um, what else did anything else stick out for you as far as what worked, you know, athletically and sports wise, you know, in this movie? Um, so, so, you know, besides that being like, you know, macro stuff, um, man, like how ahead of its time was this movie 
this is see it's not like you know we're we're like uh able to like give like a uh you know quarterback rating to mocks or something like that like the football in it is pr- like the foot even the football seeds in it aren't anywhere near par for what most football movies are yeah yeah i mean it's, they're, <laughs> all, they're all very it's very brief there's not a ton of very like, brief legitimate very football brief. action one of the things that i think is really interesting um you know working as a sports movie is that i feel like in 1999 um the amount of like the amount of exposure it sort of writes into about uh head trauma and cte um is really really ahead of where everything else in culture is at the time i mean yeah a concussion being one of the main plot devices in the in a football movie is almost like unheard of at that point really yeah exactly i mean it's think about think about sort of the comedic football movies of that era like the water boy where it's like haha like you just got hit by like three fullbacks and you know you're um you're screwed like you the know, end of but, jerry Maguire when rod tidwell is just unconscious on the field exactly. and there's no like there's no like when he wakes up it's not like oh he he's probably got a serious concussion it's like no he's dancing around and like happy exactly like the the way that it pursues talking about CTE, um, it, you know, it's not like an in depth dive, but like no one up until like up until this, it, I feel like it really wasn't treated very seriously uh, in the kind of cultural um, cultural canon of sports movies. Yeah, I mean, because it's really not. It doesn't set itself up to be like that. But it, like, when we talk about it, it just has these serious tones that it really nails, which is kind of crazy. I mean, Billy, like, Billy Bob is obviously the one that, you know, the one that takes the the real brunt of, uh, of what those hits look like. But the interesting thing is, you know, how, um, how Coach Kilmer is just like the, the real, um, asshole that's, that's pressing every button. Um, and like, you know, the dude never has to take a single knock. So, so I think the care, the character of coach Kilmer, John Voigt's character actually works like really well. Like I think he legitimately nails the performance of this coach. That is just this angry asshole only cares about winning, but has his player play through a concussion. It really is like the classic, you know, he's not, you can definitely see, a scenario in real life where a high school football coach has made players play under concussions and take, you know, injections to keep them on the field. Um, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility. And he, you know, was an asshole who only cared about winning. And I think his performance legitimately worked. I mean, he was an Oscar winner surrounded by like, he had to be wondering, like I'm surrounded by fucking James <laughs> Vanderbeek and Paul Walker. I'm, like, I'm doing an MTV movie. It was an yeah. MTV movie. <laughs> Which is wild, but he, I mean, he, he got it. Like I, I thought Kilmer worked like 
when he gets mad at Mox and practice do it like this this sounds bad i mean cuz he he was definitely a shitbag and he was definitely like an abusive guy but like when he gets mad at Mox and practice for just running this random this random play that's not in their offense like that's completely understandable if i was a Absolutely. head coach and the quarterback just started throwing in random audibles that were in the offense i'm not i'm not standing for that <laughs> he's 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 living up to like the the expectation that you would have of a proper head football coach. Yeah, and then after the loss, when he's just like chewing their asses because like he knows they're hungover and they played like shit. Like I don't, I truly don't fault the guy for that. They did ruin his perfect right. season by going out to the landing strip and and, and getting yeah. sauced all night. Right. And at that point in time, you know, they, it's not like they were even really doing it to blow off steam. It was just like genuine like you know dumb young high school bullshit like that 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 you know kids do yeah i bought i bought kilmer what did you think of uh so just in the on-field action what did you think of vanderbeek did you buy vanderbeek as a quarterback no uh, no Not at all, man. That that guy is definitely not definitely not a quarterback. No form. But Paul Walker for Paul Walker, he he was he he fit. He looked great in the little bit that we saw of him. I mean, it's just hard to look away at anything but that handsome face. He's just a stud. Exactly. A total I mean, you know, totally You buy him as the high school dreamboat Florida State signee quarterback. Exactly. Exactly. I, I think that like, I think that, I think that he also, it's, it was interesting too, cause there's a scene where, um, I, I can't remember who it is, but like Kilmer asked somebody to go in because he's like the best, uh, you know, he's Paul Walker's best target. Um, but he, you know, Banderby can't even, can't even compete against that. I, Paul Walker was absolute, Absolute stud in it. Big. Yeah, uh, I could big buy. Fan. He does. Uh, I could buy Vanderbeek throwing the ball a little more than I could those scenes when he was scrambling. Like he just seems slow to me. Um, like yes. they show him like hurdling a guy. I'm like James Vanderbeek isn't hurdling anyone. Um, yeah. You know, the throwing. Some of the throwing. Like I could buy. I mean, high school quarterbacks. Ninety. You know, ninety five percent of them aren't that good, anyways. But he uh, has. But like he has. Like Vanderbeek has like twigs for arms though. He's like, he has, he has no, no like bicep definition or anything like that. You would even expect of like, of a quarterback. (laughs) I did buy his, like the halftime speech though, after they kicked Kilmer out of the locker room. Before this game started, Kilmer said 48 minutes for the next 48 years of our lives. I say, fuck that. Right. I say, fuck that. Let's go out there and we'll play the next 24 minutes for the next 24 minutes. And we'll leave it all out on the field. We got the rest of our lives to be mediocre, but we have the opportunity to play like gods for the next half of football. But we can't be afraid to lose. There's no room for fear in this game. And we go out there and we half-ass it because we're scared. All we're left with is an excuse. We're always going to wonder. But we go out there and we give it absolutely everything. That's heroic. 
as big heroes. Like it wasn't, yes. it's not the best speech. It's not the Al Pacino in any given Sunday speech, but it's really not bad when you think like you put yourself in the situation, like that's an 18 year old kid trying to lead his team back on the field after their coach has literally <laughs> assaulted him on a table. It's not terrible. I have, I have so many issues with that entire scene. Oh yeah. Well, we're going to get it. We're going to get it. We'll get that to that. But I have so many issues with that entire scene. It's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, but like, there's other like random stuff that like Vanderbeek does. That's like, that's like, I don't know. It's just like weird. It's like weird. Like, there's uh, there's the one scene where he throws the he like pegs the other team's mascot. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, like... we'll get we'll get into that. Like, I've got I've okay. got a lot more in what didn't work in this movie sports wise. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> One thing that I have that that did work, and this isn't really sports-wise, but we'd be remiss to not mention the soundtrack. Oh, my gosh. The soundtrack is incredible. Dude, what's your favorite... What is your... uh, What's your favorite jam from it? Uh, So, I... This this sounds bad, but uh, them using Hot for Teacher in the strip club scene, I just love Hot for Teacher as a song. Um, Strip club scene? Yeah, going going hot for teacher in the strip club scene. Uh, hot for teacher by Van Halen is good. Um, Thunderstruck always works in football movies, and I you know just in like for sports. Um, and I kind of like it that they used Thunderstruck when they were just getting their ass beat. Yeah. Um, the one for me that that didn't land and is just they used my hero by the Foo Fighters. <laughs> And yeah. it, it just, it's so corny. Like that one just doesn't land for me. It was the most like this movie's late nineties. We're using a Foo Fighters song. Uh, that one didn't land. What was your favorite? I mean, there's a ton of uh, third eye blind, man. The third eye blind. What, um, what's that? Oh, what is that song? Horror show. It was on the, yeah, that's it. Like, oh my gosh, that dude, that's, that was awesome. Cause that's like peak teen late nineties right there. The one that the one song, the, la- the last one I'll mention that kind of put the feel that like, OK, this is late 90s. This is MTV is Nice Guys Finish Last by Green Day, which I think they made yes. the song specifically for the soundtrack. Are you serious? I, I believe so. I think I think that song came out on the soundtrack. I'm not entirely don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure I had a, I had a big Green Day phase. And uh, oh, of course, everybody yeah. did. Yeah, but that's what that's what kind of set the tone of the movie. So it's it's not really like sports centric as much, but you can't talk about what went right in this movie without talking about the soundtrack because it's it's great. Um, what uh what what age was your was your Green Day phase? So I'm I'm young. I'm only I'm about to turn twenty eight. So I think I'm I think I'm younger than you. I got into yep, Green yep. Day. So I got into Green Day like when American Idiot came out, but then I was like, uh-huh. wait a minute, they have all this other stuff. And I got in, I got really into the early stuff. I, I was that kid. I was like, because everyone's listening to American Idiot. I was like, but have you, you know, have you heard Longview? <laughs> 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 so, so that's what that's what I got into. And then, um, and then like that was one of the first things I noticed when I saw this movie. It was like, oh, I know that Green Day song. I'm a fan. I'm a real fan. Dude, I uh, I started like like my green green my Green Day kind of phase with every era of that music was very like specifically 
sixth grade to age like probably like 10th grade ish where it was just like uh, for lack of a better way of putting it the murderer's row of like blink 182 311 green day offspring etc like just classic late 90s early 2000s dude classic late 90s early early 2000s like um like lip biscuit all that like those (laughs) and when like that to me just defines like uh very like kind of like early to mid teen years very distinctly well and M- yeah and mtv did a good job of bringing that into this movie and making it there's there's green day there's third eye blind there's a song by the offspring um and then there's foo fighters so they you know they um that was that was one thing it, it might it might be the best thing about the movie really um, oh, can i can i actually make a point now that i'm like on that to that note yes um so like this movie like definitely has me like thinking of thinking of high school a lot. Like I wasn't in high school quite yet when it came out. Um, I was in um, eighth grade when varsity blues came out, which was like probably is it's probably the reason now that I, I'm like, I'm, I definitely sound like I'm talking to my therapist right now, but like, um, <laughs> Like, now that I think about it, this movie came out in eighth grade. I definitely saw it, like, in eighth grade when it came out. Um, I think I saw it in the theaters. And, like, it was one of the, uh, it was one of those things where, like, I was at that, like, super impressionable age where you, um, where you kind of, like, almost, like, idolize, like, the older kids in high school and everything like that. And, like, and you think this the- is what high school is going to be like? Yeah, you think this is what high school is going to be like, and like you sort of see, uh, you see your Paul Walkers or your, you know, James Vanderbeeks, and you can kind of like define who those people are, like three or four years older than you in your in your school route, and like that to me, I think is why <laughs> why um, I was like when I watched that this, I was like probably a little like eyes aglow of being of being just like oh yeah this is what high school's like like you know obviously nothing like it but like the the but in a lot of ways like it kind of was too Uh, it's really it was really like high school on steroids which is which is why the movie worked it didn't need to be the most genuine movie there was um you know i think that's why that's why it's a really effective movie and a really effective sports movie it like it got enough right to be good, but it you know it's not like it's not perfection. It's not up there. No, it's of not course. The Godfather of football movies. I uh, I just you brought up the age thing, and I it just got me thinking about how like you know watching this movie through the eyes of being somebody in that entire cultural context that hasn't like that hasn't experienced high school yet. Like is is a really really fascinating like a very fascinating thing in retrospect. Yeah, I mean it's yeah I I can't imagine I think I'm pretty sure I saw it before high school too. I know I saw that and American Pie before high school. So yeah, it does give a of course a really unrealistic uh, unrealistic view of um, of high school. But before we get into um, to what didn't work, 
Uh, Varsity Blues might be an unrealistic view of high school in in some ways, but you know what's realistic is uh, affordable prescription glasses. And uh, Warby Parker was founded with a rebellious spirit and lofty objective to create boutique-quality, classically-crafted eyewear at a revolutionary price point. You shouldn't have to break the bank for a pair of glasses that improve your vision and don't make you look like Squints from the Sandlot, which we'll be talking about at some point on this podcast because Squints is an all-timer. Warby Parker makes buying glasses online easy and risk-free. The Home Try-On program allows customers to order five pairs of glasses to be shipped directly to them, where they can try them on in the comfort of their own home. For me, that meant trying them on in front of my fiance and essentially her telling me exactly what I needed to buy. I really had no say in them, but um, I bought a pair of the Oliver Style and the Eastern Bluebird Fade. Um, I like them. My uh, my fiance loves them, so I think that's a win. Users can keep the the frames for five days before sending them back using the prepaid returning shipping label with no obligation to purchase. That's five pairs for five free days. The best part, prescription sunglasses start at 95 bucks, including lenses. That's less than a bill to get some prescription glasses that look good. You owe it to yourself not to look like a complete goon in your glasses, and you owe it to the rest of us to not be driving without your prescription on. For listeners of Trouble with the Script, Warby Parker is offering a free five-day home try-on to give you the opportunity to check out their glasses. To get your home try-on today, go to warbyparkertrial.com slash trouble, T-R-O-U-B-L-E. Again, that's warbyparkertrial.com slash trouble. Brandon, now that we can both see straight, let's get into what didn't work for you with, with Varsity Blues. What, what, didn't, what didn't work? Because, I mean, I got a lot written down. Well, I have a, I have, I have a lot. I'm going to start with, uh, with a scene that... Um, God, there's so many like really small things that are just like what <laughs> in this movie. One really was like are. I I get it that James Vanderbeek is you know this uh, angsty like I'm a white like I'm a white kid who's you know definitely a person of privilege in this like in this universe like but I don't want to play football like and you know uh, like whatever. Um, there's a scene where it, during the first football game, I think it is, he's sitting on the bench, um, supposed to be looking at a playbook, but he's reading Kurt Vonnegut's Slaughterhouse Five. I know. And, oh my god! <laughs> and and the entire crowd can see him. <laughs> the entire crowd can see him. Like he's in the game. Um, you know, like it's it's the most like cliche. Oh, I'm like a fake intellectual, like type of thing that I could imagine in, 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 uh, and it adds absolutely nothing to the character. Like it's this like little silly thing that I feel like, um, is just so over the top and like, you know, kind of contrived. Like if he was a star, if he was a great quarterback who loved football, but also was like a person that enjoyed, you know, some, um, Kurt Vonnegut literary criticism in his English class. I think that's fine. Yeah. I don't think it has to be like a one thing or the other thing, you know? He doesn't have to be reading it during the game. <laughs> during full the game. Full view of exactly. everyone in the crowd. Like, I'm, that's another thing that worked about Kilmer. I'm fine with him being fucking pissed when he catches his backup quarterback reading on the sideline. Exactly. Like, it, it's like, okay, he's, you know, like, Vanderbeek's being a little shit. Like, and 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 that what that to me is you know 
this kind of absurd marker of many absurd markers. Um, how many obviously there's posters? How many douchey posters were in John Moxon's brown dorm room in the year? Oh my! <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, he definitely uh, trying to. I'm trying to think of like trying to think of the key ones. There was probably like a Bob Marley one. Hundred um, percent. Maybe like a Che one, like a Che Guevara. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> <type> yeah. <laughs> Like someone who just like doesn't understand their background. He, he's got a uh, he's got a big poster of the cover of Catch Twenty Two. Oh, definitely, absolutely. Maybe a uh, maybe maybe like the token like maybe like a token Pink Floyd poster of some sort. Yeah, like, oh, he's, he strikes he's me definitely as the guy bringing that, the vinyl. He's bringing the vinyl to uh, to his dorm room. Lots of lots of vinyl. Probably also like has very strong opinions on like uh, the type of coffee in uh, in the, in the cafeteria, if you will, in the residence halls. <laughs> Amazing. I mean, he never comes back to West Cannon ever. Well, especially not after, you know, pegging his dad in the head with football. <laughs> yeah. He does. a Moxon does a lot of questionable shit, um, but so I mean, he's, kind of, he's kind of a shithead. Like, he, re- he really is like he's really the it's very annoying that it's like the you know I don't really care about football like then I, I get that there's the pressure but like just quit I've got a, a random question is so in the beginning of the movie you know they show those like clips of them playing peewee football together and it's like Mox and Lance and yep. Billy Bob and Tweeter if Lance was this godly like all world quarterback who's going to be signed in Florida State like at, at what point is Mox like? Are they like okay, Mox? Why don't you go like get some reps at tight end or something? Like you need to you need to move positions. That is a that's an that is an incredible point. That that uh, look he you know he was kind of set up for failure in the position that he was in, but yet the only reason why he's there and Kilmer says it is because of his dad. Yeah. If my daddy hadn't played played uh played his heart out for me, I'd cut your ass. Or if your daddy what? hadn't played his heart out for me, I'd cut your why ass. Why wouldn't why wouldn't his dad have wanted him to push to be somewhere more more suitable for his capabilities? Yeah, the one oh, Mox's dad is clearly like the the unreasonable expectation sports dad though. Cause when he's mm-hmm. like, if Kilmer wasn't such a prick, my son would be starting quarterback. Like Okay, let's calm down. Like Lance <laughs> signed with Florida State. He's not just like a daddy's boy. Like he signed with Florida State in 1999. Florida State won the national championship. It's not like it's not like he was signed with Miami, Ohio. Right. Like he was he was setting himself up for a Heisman career. Yeah. It's he's just yeah. Mox's dad was was the uh, the ultimate rose colored glasses dad. Something else that didn't that didn't work in the movie. Did you notice the lighting at the stadium and just all the games? Like it was insanely dark there. Yes. Like very, it's a, more of a cinematography thing, but they were just so dark. Yes. Super dark. Um, and there were like, there was, yeah, it, it, it genuinely felt like a high school football field in the middle of, you know, in the middle of the field of dreams or something like that. Yeah, I, I just don't understand the strategy of making it look like everyone is like struggling to see. Like it looks like the players need a flashlight when they run out on the field. Um, yeah, there was a couple in-game things that, um, you know, just football scene things that kind of like 
just didn't go right. There was um, the first game. You remember when Lance throws the ball out of bounds, like he misses a guy on a screen, and that's when Mox picks it up and hurls it like 60 yards and hits the ref in the gut? Yes. The defender going at Lance just completely like runs by him. Like if this had been real football, he would have laid his ass out because he was right there right as he was releasing the ball, and he just like runs by him. It was just basically like, don't hit Paul Walker, which is (laughs) – that was that was a uh, that was an error. Um, let's talk about the uh, the Lance injury. I mean, th- this is a this is a thing that people have talked about before, but that play should have been blown dead because Billy. But it was a false start. Billy Bob started false start exactly exactly. Where they snapped the ball. That that should have been a play should have been blown dead. Lance's knee should still be intact. Huge huge issue right there. It really is. Um, what was there anything else that stuck that stuck out to you? Is that actually in sports movie? In in you know in the catalog of sports movies, is that actually the uh, you know like the number two? Rudy was offsides. It really is. Yeah, Billy Bob was a fall. It was a false start. Yeah, that's like that's 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 a pretty good Rudy is Rudy Rudy is offsides moment there. It changes the whole movie if the uh, if the ref. I love that like Billy Bob like Billy Bob literally passes out and wakes up after the play and no one says shit. Like no one's like, hey, is that guy okay? Like I get that Lance like had a traumatic knee injury, but do you think like someone would have noticed that a player literally fell over and lost consciousness for like fifteen seconds, and no one says anything? It's like it didn't happen. You really think that like right? Exactly. No, that brought up another interesting thing to me that didn't that just feels weird in this is the uh, parents not really showing any lack of like concern for the general well-being of the children. <laughs> oh yeah, like, I mean it was all football the time Lance's dad I, I mean, in the hospital. I know th- I know that that's like a device that obviously is really important, but like if you were to make Varsity Blues in 2019 and think about how much more dynamic even those like, you know, small characters would be, like it would be they would be way more empathetic. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there would be a plot and we'll talk about what this would look like in 2019, but there yeah. would be a legitimate like plot point probably of a parent, um, you know, like Billy Bob's parents, you know, saying that Kilmer made their kid play through concussions instead of in this movie where Billy Bob's parents are nowhere to be found. Billy Bob exactly. could live on his own for all we know. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's, oh, it's wild. Yeah, the other like football, definite football centric things. Um, the you mentioned it earlier, uh, Mox clocking the ball but throwing it out of bounds. I'm I'm fairly certain that's grounding. Right, absolutely. Like so that that's a penalty, and it's just dumb, and it takes more time. It was the, the that's just dumb. That's uh that was straight up Hollywood. I, I would rather see Mox like clock the ball and actually run that offense instead of take the snap and take a step back and, and hurl a ball at the mascot. To be fair, you, you, uh, to be fair, Kilmer kind of reacted in, in that moment, um, out of frustration. That was one of the first like moments of true frustration that, uh, coach Kilmer showed towards Mox. So like, you know, at least there's a little bit of that going on. Yeah, it gave it gave some plot device. Um, there was there. So there's one Kilmer related thing that like didn't work for me um, and not in the sense of like 
not in the sense of like him being a bad guy. Like he was a bad guy, but he was talking about like the threat of Mox like playing before the the last game when Mox is like Kilmer says I gotta you know play his game or I'm gonna you know he's gonna ruin my scholarship to Brown. Like what exactly is like what is Kilmer like? Kilmer's just asking Mox to like play well and stick to the game plan, and Mox is throwing a fit about it. Like what is what is the threat here? I don't understand like what the big deal is about. Like Kilmer's just asking like basically like, hey man, will you run the plays I call and uh, and try to win the game? Man, you know you're making me like I'm not gonna lie, you're making me very sympathetic for Kilmer. I like I really like it. Like I don't know if he is as as bad of a per you know besides obviously his neglect of uh, CTE and serious. Uh, head trauma yeah um, i mean he doesn't give you let's, know, like, like, <laughs> let's not let's not make things like let's not confuse things he doesn't give a shit about these kids he, you're right he does not give a shit about the kids um but like i think that just goes to show you that like the the weird thing that doesn't work in all this is that like you know james vanderbeek's like biggest issue is kind of with his like dad and parents <laughs> The uh the the quote it's it's with the it's with the I don't want your life. Your attitude's wrong. Your tone of voice is wrong. This is your opportunity for you. Playing football at West Canaan may have been the opportunity of your lifetime, but I don't want your life. I don't want your life exactly. So real quick, let's let's go. Who had the worst accent? Uh, the, my oh my gosh! Are, I think it's between Paul Walker and Vanderbeek. I think. Yeah, were, I mean Paul Walker. Paul Walker, like almost like you can hear the Aussie in his acts in his Texas accent. <laughs> yeah, it was it was rough. It, it really was. Uh, him and Vanderbeek were really dueling, especially they're having when they're having the conversation at the landing strip, uh, and they're you know they're having their little broy heart to heart, and it's just bad Texas accent being thrown. You know, back and forth. Uh, it's not great. I think the best were Billy Bob and actually Tweeter. I thought Scott yeah. Conn had like a fairly respectable Texas accent. I don't think he. I think the secret was he did. He didn't try to overdo his. And Billy Bob's was super thick, but it wasn't. Yep. It didn't seem as unrealistic as Vanderbeek's. But he, you know, look. I hate to. I hate to paint with a broad brushstroke, but like Billy Bob kind of feels like. Texas, like he kind of feels like Texas high school, small town, you know, you could see him at any high school in the state. Any, exactly. Like, you know, I, I feel like I've seen Billy, I've seen people that are Billy Bob, uh, you know, walking through, um, walking through the airport in a Cowboys Jersey. Uh, <laughs> and you just know who they are. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's, <laughs> there's Billy Bob's everywhere. I would um, I would also I would also argue really really quick that um Ali Lauder had a t- uh Darcy Ali Lauder had a terrible accent. Oh, she um, she might have been the worst. I really forgot about that. I was I was thinking the sports only stuff so I didn't focus as much on her. Yeah, uh, her in the whipped cream bad. bikini, but holy shit, yeah, hers was <laughs> awful. Actually like everything about her character is really terrible. Oh, awful. Uh, <laughs> And it's like, it just goes to show you like, you know, like Hollywood just didn't really know how to, in, when it came to sports movies, uh, like write a character um, like that. 
Also, like, mocks, like, basically, like, low-key cheats on his girlfriend with his girlfriend's boyfriend's girlfriend. Like, it just... There's a scene where um, Vanderbeek, where Mox is driving back from the hospital uh, with... um, Driving back from the hospital after visiting Lance after the game and gives um, Ali Lauder a ride, and she takes all her clothes off in the car. Like, and, and she like, even the whole says time, Lance's career is probably over. Like she yeah, just like yeah. states she just like states her intent right away. It's just like she just wears everything on her sleeve. Like, oh yeah, the star quarterback's done. Like I'm moving on. Yeah, exactly. And she was like, she she even she even says that like I got to get out of this town. Like, but Lance's career is over, and like it's like okay, so the. You know the uh, <laughs> the horse you're gonna gonna hit your cart the the what you're gonna hit yourself to here is Mox's football career. <laughs> there is is her plan to just like hitch herself to Mox to like go to Brown. Like yeah. she's like, I'm going to Brown with you. I'm bad. gonna live in your dorm room. <laughs> oh, so bad. We're gonna read Catcher in the Rye together every day. <laughs> it's 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 it's. It's awful. That's yeah. She I, was I something. Think it, I she think was something. That I think didn't it work. makes. She definitely did not. She definitely did not work. Um, you know, couple others uh, that that just stuck out to me. Stood out to me um, at the the pep rally in the beginning. This is small, but when Kilmer's speaking, the mic is pointed directly like away. It's like to the side. Like he's not even close <laughs> to speaking into the mic. It's just John Voigt yelling. And then a big one is like Tweeter is a hundred percent a date rapist. Like he on the sideline, yes. he describes he describes date rape to Mox. He's like, give him like a couple beers and a Percocet and their panties drop. Like that is date rape. Tweeter is a rapist. Dude, Tweeter, Tweeter is a big creep. From the moment he's introduced on screen, he's he's a creep. He is. Like, how was Tweeter not how did he not face a suspension? for stealing a police car. Like even in a small town where football is anything like tweeters, not going to Florida state or anything like that's a felony tweeter commits exactly. a felony, like a known felony and, and, and there's no suspension or anything. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. That's that's tweeters. Tweeters problematic. Tweeter is uh tweeter is like every Woodstock 99 stereotype. Like, with uh with a with a massive like steroid injection in it oh yeah tweeter tweeter was definitely if this movie is set in 2019 tweeter's probably on steroids like in this movie he's just on painkillers if this movie set in 2019 tweeter is a pretty big subplot with his eventual criminal conviction (laughs) oh yeah tweeter is out for the championship game because he's in jail and under under and numerous offenses, um, you know, not just pinpointed on one. So let's talk about a couple things with the championship game that didn't work. Um, so so Kilmer's booted. They boot Kilmer at halftime uh, for you know trying to uh, trying to inject Wendell with uh, with I guess a painkiller to get him back on the field. They boot Kilmer. They go out on the field. There's no other coaches. It's just suddenly all high school kids. Where did every high school employs at least 10 other coaches? Where did everyone else go? Dude, that was, see, that was what I, that was the biggest thing I had a problem with. 
um, was that, you know, high school kids are like, high school kids are kids. Like they're, they're still like, you know, they have, um, they're surrounded by adults of parents of various levels that are going to like step into that role to do play calling. It's not going to be like a, uh, you know, an inmates run the asylum type of situation. Like the entire second half of the championship game is. And the announcers are pointing it out. They're like, still no Bud Kilmer. And like, he got crippled Lance on the sidelines calling plays. It's not like if the team had run out of the tunnel with no coaches, the refs would be like, okay, wait, wait, wait. Like what's, What's going right, on? Let's go, you guys, let's, go let's get a couple you, parents down from the stands, and if you guys want to keep playing, they can coach you. And you know that the other coach is definitely pushing for like a forfeit in this 100%, situation. 100%. <laughs> but it's just like, like Kilmer's gone, and suddenly, like, where are the trainers? Like, he had an offensive coordinator because he was talking to him, uh, you know, after Wendell's yes. injury. Yep, yep. Exactly. Um, what happened to Wendell? In all of that, I, I I forget was you know Wendell was injured. Uh, they were about to give him the shot. Uh, there's the you know fight with Kilmer, uh, but then whatever happens to Wendell? Is he just does he? He's on the sideline. The sideline. Yeah, he's on the sideline next to Paul Walker on on crutches. I also love when the trainer goes out to uh to check out Wendell, who's just like hurt his hamstring or something, and the trainer comes back and he's like, "Yep, tore something." Like the guy just knows <laughs> like, Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> tore it. And I knew it. <laughs> well, can, well, Kilmer then goes, can you fix it? And like, he's like, if I'll let him, if I'll let him. And That's it's like, like, even if you've been on like team Kilmer, all movie, even if you've been like more understanding of Kilmer, you're like, okay, this guy is a fucking piece of shit. <laughs> exactly. I mean, but the, the crazy thing is, is that like Wendell does almost get to that point. Like, and to me, this is what's like crazy is that like, I feel like in 80 to 95% of most high school football situations like that, like Wendell's parents are in that locker room with him. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. If your kid gets hurt, like there's no way they're not there. Exactly. Especially, and you know, the last thing you're going to do is like, oh yeah, this, you know, I know it's like small town stuff, but like. The last thing you're going to do is let the let this guy like sh- you know shoot the kid up to yeah, like, put him back out there. There's no way that Lance's dad doesn't realize that Lance has been getting painkiller injections in his knee for a considerable <laughs> amount of time. I mean, well, does he though? That's like what's interesting about it. Like he he probably does, and he probably encouraged it because that's like sort of the you know the whole like ethos of this time is like uh just tough it up you know um that's true but that's, that's like, a fair point that's a really fair point he, he could have been completely fine with it yeah he could have been like completely fine with it but but it's also like you know and i guess that's the good thing of us having 20 years since this movie came out like is is like do i don't know like what do you risk not playing at FSU for that. <laughs> well, see, that's the thing though, that dad thinks that playing at West Cannon is like the greatest thing ever. Like he probably does risk playing at FSU for that. That's insane to me, man. <laughs> so I speaking mean, of right, Lance, speaking of Lance, insane. let's talk about like the end of the movie when, you, you know, know Vanderbeek's going, going into like what happened, happened you know, what, what happened, happened after, um, 
it says Lance Lance found his calling as a football coach. Like that's not a happy ending for Lance. Like he started yeah. this movie as a Florida State signee and like the prime <laughs> of the program, and he ended the movie as like, oh, I guess I'll just be a high school football coach. Like nothing on just... high school football coaches, <laughs> but Lance lost. Yeah, he he definitely plateaued. <laughs> he plateaued like, at a very early early age. He really did. Um, another thing with the end of the championship game. So like they win district. Like and and. Mox is like, that was the last football game, you know, all of us ever played. Or whatever. Like, what about the playoffs? Like, what happened? Like, that is a, exactly. There's at least, there's a, so what you're saying here is there's, you know, there are, there's at least one more game after this, like, that had to have been played. Yeah, like, you guys have a playoff game. Like what? What do you mean? Like the the only explanation is that uh, UIL, which is the Texas, which is like the Texas sports governing body, like high school, like threw down sanctions on them. It was like, well, you turns out your coach was uh, injecting everyone with painkillers, so you guys are not going to the playoffs. But like they don't explain it. They're just like, we won district. Well, no playoffs for us. That's you know, and the town wants that state championship, like. That is a well that is a well understood thing in this. It, I mean, it's wild. Yeah, it, it's just why they. I just don't understand how they. Even if they would have just done it in like a montage, like something like, like you know, we lost in the second round of the playoffs that day, but we'll always, you know, or two weeks later, but we'll always remember the, you know, the time we won district and fucking kick Kilmer out of the locker room or something. Else. And then that's uh, crazy. In that montage too, Tweeter just drinking beer on the field. Like, come on, right, people. right, come exactly. on. He's, he's eighteen years old. Come on, we, eighteen. We, <laughs> we gotta pretend. We gotta. We gotta realize that this would not happen. Just, um, yeah. You know, it, you've. I'm, I'm telling you, man. I feel. Look, like Kilmer. Kilmer is. Kilmer is bad. Kilmer's trouble. He's problematic. But like, I now like really want to know more about like Kilmer's overall like character backstory. Like, you know, clearly he doesn't seem to have children of his own. Um, you know, like he doesn't even necessarily allude to ever have playing football, played football. Um, I like, I kind of want to know how Kilmore, he doesn't appear to have a wife or any, anybody of any type of, uh, to have a relationship um, beyond just what he has in his job. I like, I want to know more about the guy now. So one of the categories I have is what does this movie look like in 2019? But I'm not even sure I want them to remake it in 2019. Instead, I'd rather kind of see like, what's Kilmer up to in 2019? What is, like, it's almost like it could be, it could be a prequel. Like, imagine what, um, imagine what, like, let's say Kilmer was, Let's say Kilmer's story in like the late sixties, early seventies. Um, Kilmer with all those guys' dads, with Lance's dad and Mox's dad. Oh my gosh, that would be incredible. With some character development around Kilmer for how we realize how we can understand how he became such an asshole. Yeah. So yeah, it's like was maybe like Kilmer like being kind of a genuine dude, and then he gets cheated out of a state championship, and he's like, "Fuck it, I'm doing anything to win now." Exactly, exactly. Some sort of like, you know, something to make him a little bit more of like a sympathetic character, whatever that is. Like, I feel like that, like, 
feel like we kind of like need that in whatever 2019 version of varsity blues looks like miles teller is a young kilmer oh my gosh that's that's genius i'm in on miles it teller would be a, miles teller would be an incredible kilmer yeah, sh- just like shut up and take my money. I'm I'm all in on that. I don't even want to talk about what this movie would look like in 2019. Like I want to see it in 1979. Yeah, exactly. Like it's a it's a period sports movie now. <laughs> Amazing. I've got um I've got one other thing before we get to who the best athlete in the movie was because I think that one's quick and that one's easy. Um, would it it, it would 100 percent be common knowledge that Miss Davis was stripping, right? Yes, a thousand percent. There's no it way seems, that it would not. Yeah, there's no way that that would not be a thing. It's a, it's it, it it seems like it's the only strip club in that uh, rural Texas, you know, county, if you will. And uh, and I mean, you know how it almost. It's also one of those things where, like, you know how, like, in high school, like older kids like pass down stuff to like younger kids, yeah. like. I feel like it would be a very snickered upon thing if that was like a um, like a common sort of a common secret, if you, an open secret, if you will. Yeah, I mean, it'd be like the, in the senior class, like the first couple dudes who turn 18 and go to the strip club, even though apparently laws don't matter in West Cannon. So it could have been anyone. Laws don't but, matter. Uh, Everybody's drinking all the time. Yeah, but the, <laughs> the first couple seniors who roll over to the landing strip, they just come back to school on Monday. They're like, yeah, Miss Davis, stripping at the landing strip. And everyone's like, oh, makes sense. She's got that convertible. Yeah, I mean, it'd be common knowledge. There's no way they wouldn't be going like with the intention of of seeing Miss Davis. Exactly. I mean, her 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 routine at this strip club is like she draws sex education on a chalkboard and comes out as like, typical porn star teacher that's like her routine is what she is at her other job like the day after she taught sex education at the actual high school exactly she's a sex ed teacher who's also a stripper (laughs) before we wrap who was who do you think the best athlete in the movie was Who, who looked the best on the field it's pretty easy for me i think uh lance i mean i think it's i think it's wendell well, Wendell, yeah. He doesn't have a Wikipedia page, but I think he actually played some high school football. But I, I think it was Wendell easily. Of the other main guys, yeah, I, I think Lance over over Vanderbeek or uh, Con or, or Ron Lester, Billy Bob. So, Wendell, I actually have this up on IMDb. Awesome. Um, I'm glad you do. because Wendell, Wendell um, doesn't say where – IMDb doesn't say where he played college. But after college, he signed with the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, and then he was cut. Uh, his playing days in the NFL with the Chiefs were cut short due to injury. And then afterwards, he moved back to California to work as a production assistant uh, around around Hollywood. So so he was um, easily the best athlete on set. It wasn't even close. Easily, easily the best athlete. Actually played uh, very serious football. Good for him. Good for him, because I don't think he was in any more movies after this. I don't think he was. Nope, I don't think he was in a single movie. And, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting because if he was a production assistant, like a PA, which, you know, is like the lowest of the low on the in the hierarchy of film sets. um, It kind of makes me sad that he doesn't have any more IMDb credits because I'm going to guess that he 
doesn't work in the industry anymore. I almost wonder if he was working on this movie when as somebody with football, former football experience and then was like cast in the movie because of it. That seems like it would make sense. I mean, this is this is a hell of a movie to be one and done on. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, just kind of like like I'm going to guess that what ha- that's almost what happened was that, you know, <laughs> there are all these like typical <laughs> kind of typical, uh, you know, typical, typical film people all around. Uh, you know, you have James Vanderbeek and, you know, um, <laughs> Paul Walker and all these people. Well, do you know who potentially the most successful actor from this from when this movie came out? to to now do you know who potentially the most successful actor actor in this movie was did you notice no so paul walker it's probably paul walker at the uh the box office but in terms of appearing in prestige stuff it's jesse plemons who played lance's little brother and was todd in breaking bad oh my gosh you're friday night lights and he was in fargo you're right he's been in so much stuff yeah, so That's he legitimately crazy. might be the most successful actor to come out of these movies. The the crazy thing about like about um Jesse's like character too is that he's like, you know, he's a sideshow, but like he's so idiosyncratic. Like he's he's obsessed with all those like religions and everything like that. Oh no, no, no. Like, so that's no, that was uh that was Oh, that's not Jesse. Brother. No, oh, no. Mox- Jesse, oh, Jesse's Lance's right. brother. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. But yeah, oh yeah, that that whole character, like you almost feel bad for Mox's dad because like I like I feel this like as a dad who like I have a little son yeah. I'd love to get into sports. Like all Mox's dad wants is a kid who just breathes West Cannon football and he's got what a shame. He's got Mox going to Brown on an academic scholarship. He's got his weird religion kid just just pumping around the house. All the guy wants is just a simple dude who wants to live in West Canada his whole life and, and get a couple snaps at quarterback. I really feel for the guy. Yeah. I mean, it's also the Brown thing is probably like, is probably the big cognitive dissonance thing. You know, he's at that, like he's definitely at least a senior in high school. If he's got into Brown, he's obviously smart as shit. If he got in Brown or as we found out, you know, uh, unless clearly his clearly his family wasn't I don't think they were bribing their way into Brown. <laughs> I don't know if they were participating in Operation Varsity. Operation Varsity Blues. Right. This episode is going to air a little bit after this uh, this broke, but I'm hoping it's still in the news because we'd be remiss not to not to exactly. mention Operation Varsity. Not to just mention the the FBI operation called Varsity Blues, but um, but like you gotta you gotta think that like his dad, he's probably like okay. Um, my kid is, you know, my kid's super smart, even though he's a little like smart, hipster, smart ass, uh, got into Brown and, but like, he's also probably has a little bit of like, um, it's also probably like, man, even if he could just like, I don't know, even if he could have just like played like D D three somewhere, D two somewhere to keep like, to keep the glory the glory days rolling uh, past past leaving West Canaan, Texas. I think, uh, I don't know. I think that maybe that would have made Pops pretty happy there. It doesn't matter what Mox does the rest of his life. He could go to Brown, graduate at the top of his class, you know, work on Wall Street, whatever. 
uh, his dad every every time he comes home for the holidays is just going to talk about that district championship game. Mox, you remember when you and the boys won district? I really want to know why they picked Brown because like Brown is like it's it's like the you know of all of like the Ivy League schools, it's like the very um, I, I hate to say it, it's like the very like. When you have this picture in your head of like what the ultimate like liberal arts school looks like, it's definitely Brown. Like Brown's pass fail. Like yeah. there aren't even like grades applied to it. And I'm curious like why the writers like landed on that and not like Harvard. You know, some I other think Harvard's yeah, Harvard, no Penn, whatever. Right, exactly. Like Harvard would have been easy. It's it's very easy for teenage minds to comprehend that, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things I'd like to ask, you know, the writers. Why Brown? Why didn't they go to the playoffs? Why wasn't Tweeter in jail? Um, but the movie overall, the movie works. Like Varsity it's, it works. Is still it's amazing. Itself. This is it it's it's uh it's a movie that sort of celebrates, I think. Look, I think, you know, I can't speak for what a young, you know, what uh what a 18-year-old's life is like today. But I'm sure that if you were to watch it, there's a lot of uh, the way that sort of peer relationships are. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of relatability to it still. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, it, it's still. Uh, yeah, I think it's still something that high schoolers can uh, can watch today for sure. I mean, it's still, you know, it makes a it makes a cable run every now and then MTV plays it, um, obviously. So. You know, I, I'll always turn it on when it's on. Uh, Brandon, thanks so much for coming on, man. Um, where can the people follow you? Um, uh, Twitter.com at, uh, at Brandon Wettered, all one word. Uh, Twitter, pretty active there. And then uh, just check out BroBible.com when you get a chance. Um, we're, we're, at, we're at BroBible.com and wherever social media is served to you. Well, thanks a ton for coming on. Um, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Banduho. Um, again, if you like this pod, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Uh, right now we're on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Subscribe, leave a five-star review. Leave a, you know, leave, let me know what you think of the pod. Let me know what movies you want coming up. Um, you know, anything, I, I love to hear what you guys are thinking. Uh, but yeah, subscribe, share. And uh, you can follow us on Twitter at TroublePod and on Instagram at Trouble with the Script Pod. And uh, catch us every Thursday. Thanks. Whether you're a world class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well being and proper recovery for top notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.